0: Welcome to our ongoing series sponsored by Catholic Church Reform International. I'm your host, Renee Reed. Our guest today is Virginia Saldanha, who is a former executive secretary of the Federation of Asian Bishops Conference, which is the Office of Laity, Family, and Women. She's also the former secretary of the Catholic Bishops Conference of India, serving on the Commission for Women. But today, Virginia is here to represent Voices of Faith, Welcome, Virginia. So good to have you and to have you
1: talk about this important topic. Uh, Women realize today that we have been uh, participating in the church, offering our services in all areas of church. We have been um, at the parish level, at church services, uh, religious women in uh, mission areas, working selflessly day and night, particularly the religious women in mission areas. I have some fantastic stories of women in India working among the poorest of the poor. And yet we realize that our uh, ministry in the church is not recognized. Men are given the status of ordained ministers Women who do the same work, except we are not allowed to consecrate the Eucharist, but we do much of everything else, we are not even ordained as deacons. Now, deacons is an ordination for service. The married men who are ordained deacons, even in my country, are ordained for justice and peace work, for service to the people. And women have been already doing that, but yet this ordination is denied to women. This is absolute discrimination. And this is what women around the world want to highlight. So how do we all
0: participate, each in our own parish? What what are we being called to do? And how do we show that we are in solidarity?
1: Now, um, we, uh, we have decided that all women Wear white that day, or at least a white stole across the neck, to symbolize our baptismal garment, the, the baptism that gives us the same dignity and equality, where we are all baptized as priest, prophet, and leader, where we have the right to participate in the ministry of the mission of the church equally and which women are already doing, as I said earlier, but we have not been given the same status of ministry as men. So what happens in the church is women being subserv- subservient-, subservient to men are uh, misused, they are abused, and they are ill-treated. I've heard a lot of stories of sisters in mission areas where they have a single priest over there who really lords it over their sisters. And if they don't do his bidding, he refuses to celebrate the Eucharist for them. Today, the sisters have realized, okay, if he refuses to celebrate the Eucharist for us, we'll do without the Eucharist. And we will have a celebration of a liturgy among ourselves because God knows what is in our hearts. And that is what is important. I think. And we must begin to ignore these ministers who do not know how to treat us properly.
0: This Sunday, March the 8th, will, will men also be
1: invited to stand in solidarity with women and wear white? Yes. Yes. Women, men are also invited to stand in solidarity with women. And uh, we will be holding placards, you know, like, um, uh, women, you are the change. Uh, Women call for equality and dignity. Uh, Women claim equality. You know, so we hold these placards. And here in Bombay, we have decided to, uh, we have uh, drafted a memorandum, which we are going to give Cardinal Oswald Gracious, who's the uh, president of the Catholic Bishops' Conference of India uh if you know he gave an interview to joshua michelby at uh, the vatican last yes. week, or week before last NCR. and there he said in february 2019 i became aware that we really discriminate against women and we need to do justice to women so we are claiming that uh, those words of his and we are asking him to take note of certain things in the church that need to be done for women. One is recognizing women's ministry. Uh, Two is uh, handling the sex abuse issue in a just way, having structures in place, addressing the cases uh, and uh, treating victims uh, with compassion and understanding. Uh, Giving women who attend synods, the vote equal to the men, asking that women be treated with greater respect by the clergy, particularly women religious, because in India, really women religious sometimes are treated very badly by the clergy. Then there are a lot of disputes between women religious and bishops regarding their properties. Their properties are just taken over. So there are a lot of issues like this, and we want that the bishops address these issues in a very understanding and just way.
0: I know for some of us, certainly for you and me, Virginia, things are not moving quickly enough by way of changing the church. But
1: tell us what you do see already changing um, what I see changing is a slow awareness among women. Uh, of course, in the sense that since Vatican II, like certain things have opened up. I mean, you have the Eucharistic ministers. You have women uh, going up to the altar to read. But we are not. We are not called Eucharistic ministers. Really, we are called extraordinary ministers of the Eucharist. You know. And uh, these, these are not really recognized ministries given to uh, to women. These are kind of, by the way, services that are women are allowed to participate in. You see, it's not considered a ministry. That is the difference, and it's very important difference. So we want that the church recognizes it. Second. Uh, the, the structure of the priesthood has to change because currently this structure is oppressive. Otherwise, clericalism will never, never be eradicated. It will not be eradicated. The priesthood has to come down to the level of the people. You, like you talk about, this-
0: about clericalism. I mean, I think we know it's, it's the cancer that is destroying the priesthood and and francis has come out from the day he was elected talking about this need to overturn clericalism and yet and yet for all of his stance on this it concerned me in his papal exhortation on the amazon that he still referred to women in the old guard way comparing men to jesus and Women, to marry, Women and to marry. Were you concerned? Did that bother you as mm-hmm.
1: much as it did me? Coming from Francis um, of all people. Uh, Pope Francis is a man of his age. He's 80, 83, 84. Yeah. So, uh, well, uh, I suppose, you know, I understand Pope Francis is walking a tightrope between the conservatives and the people uh, who want change. And uh, I always think of uh, his uh, encyclical, uh, Evangeli Gaudium. He says, be a church of accidents. And uh, querida Amazonia, ends with an open, It's not a closed document. It's an open document. He invites people and uh, to get into ministries and kind of gives the bishops the uh, synodal responsibility to recognize those ministries. It's important because I have seen, for instance, in Belgium, in my daughter's parish, okay, There is this lady who has been, she has been the pastor of the parish. The people recognize her as such. She's not ordained, not even as a deacon. But year after year, she has kept that parish community together. She's conducted baptisms, marriages, funerals. She has kept that parish community together. And they love her. There's an old 85-year-old priest who comes once a month or thereabouts to consecrate the Eucharist, but she conducts the entire liturgy. He just comes up to say the words of consecration. Now, how, uh, what should I say? I mean, come on, that's such a, it's it's almost like, you know, you, you have to come here to do that little magic. This woman has done the whole thing. And just because you're a man, you come here and you say the words of magic. Come on. I think in the 21st century, we have better, better understanding and better knowledge of God and understanding of God than to uh, believe in such magical things.
0: Amen. Amen. (laughs) And having expressed some concern about Francis, I also credit him for some of the steps he's taken, like... Appointing Francesca Giovanni to a position in the curia I think she's serving as undersecretary for the section for the relations with states. That is a wonderful move. My only continued reservation is there should be hundreds more. We shouldn't just be overly excited about just one
1: appointment. Right, right. But I think he has done uh, much more than any other pope has dared to do. Since Vatican II. And uh, like last year, when I was there for the uh, sex abuse summit, you know, I asked the people, though they were bad mouthing Pope Francis so much, I said, listen, tell me, would it have been possible for us to stand here in Vatican Square and protest like this, you know, and stand outside these gates, you know, to the Synod Hall? and protest like this during Pope John Paul II's reign, during Pope Benedict's reign. And they said, no, we agree. Pope Francis has given us the freedom to do that. Because he said he wants a church of accidents.
0: One of the things Francis seems to have done is to start to open us up to dialogue, certainly, but in the process of allowing, encouraging, different points of view to be openly expressed she's starting very subtly to change the mentality of people in the church and that has to change
1: before the real change can can occur that's absolutely basic if mentalities don't change nothing will change you know um it it, it, like everybody says oh he just has to sign something by signing things nothing changes you know He is providing opportunities for people to do things, discuss things. It's only when people begin to see, to discuss, to talk about things, that things will begin to change. And that is what is essential. That's an essential part of the process of change. Let's
0: just imagine for a moment, and I know with all the years you've been working professionally in the church and working for the cause of women, you certainly uh, don't have to think long and hard about this, but as we really imagine the church the way we want it to be today, the church that we believe Jesus would be creating and supporting if he were walking this earth today, what would this church look like in your mind, Virginia?
1: Um, It would be a non-hierarchical church, a non-clerical church, where uh, people live their baptism as priest, prophet, and leader in communities, where the community chooses their leader whom they feel is credible enough to represent them and to lead them. These leaders who are trained, who can lead the people in faith. That is what is important. And get the people to live their faith and not just do things for people. I, I feel so frustrated because today what you see, I mean, living our faith is just going to church on Sunday and coming back home. No, that's not living our faith. Living our faith is to be witnesses to the world around Is to be caring, to be loving, to stand up for justice, to speak the truth, to show God's face of love and forgiveness to humanity. That is what is living our faith. And not what we see happening today, where uh, the Christian West is sad, you know, I live in Asia, but what when we see the wars happening in the world today where are the origin of those wars coming from the so-called christian west who are the greatest manufacturers of arms today it's the christian west is i i god i don't think jesus would recognize this kind of christianity we are focused more on business like i saw somebody's facebook page today uh, the, the whole world is in a tumult about coronavirus that has killed 3,000 people so far. But hunger kills so 25,000 people every day and nobody cares about it. No, there is not a single news item about it, not even once a month. So why is this? These, these are the questions that should be bothering Christians doesn't bother I'd
0: like, us. I'd like to hone in on your emphasis about our, our, the, the sacrament of baptism and the power, the rights, the responsibilities that that sacrament gives us. Years ago, I was working as a religious ed director. And in the early 70s, I was fired from my parish for teaching that confirmation was a sacrament that needed to be thought through by the recipient of that sacrament, not just at 10 years old, line up according to height, and the bishop is coming, you're gonna do this, but rather that they wait until a time in their life when they are really ready to confirm what they received in their baptism, to confirm that they wanna be part of this community. I believed it then, and I still believe it now, but I'm just wondering, because I think that we generally understand so little about baptism and the power and the rights it gives us that we need to go back and put more emphasis on confirmation Is a reaffirming of our baptism and our baptismal responsibilities. We are part of the common priesthood. We are. Yes. But I don't think in general people understand it. Confirmation could be that sacrament to reconfirm that value, and our priesthood. But what do you think?
1: I Definitely, I was a Catholicist before I joined uh, the justice movement. And when my children were in school, I was a Catholicist. And uh, I uh, taught sacramental in my par- catechesis in my parish too. So I would prepare children for First Communion as well as for Confirmation. And I asked the diocese to raise the age of Confirmation to 16 where uh, the children could fully understand the meaning of what they were doing and would take responsibility for living their christian life you know that is exactly what you're saying it should be done at an age where children can take responsibility for living their christian life and for me being a priest in the world today is to show people God's face of love, God's face of forgiveness, God's face of welcome. That is what is important. And that's where we can be priests. And I think women are already doing it. I see women religious doing it uh, in uh, in the mission areas of our country. I see women religious doing it in the dispensaries that they uh, run in the justice cells that they or legal cells that they run and they are doing it in different parts of the world. I uh, I mean, look at uh, the two sisters in my own country. They were living among the indigenous people, empowering them for their rights and they were killed because they were disturbing the rich. Now, these are the real true Christians. These yes. two sisters, these are real, true Christians. They were priests to the people, you know? So, uh, I mean, uh, they, they really were priests because like Christ, they, uh, gave, they, they, uh, had, they did the ultimate sacrifice of sacrificing their body and blood for people. You so, mentioned uh, earlier...
0: That, You mentioned earlier about the pope being under immense pressure. I think we do need to step back and realize that if he yields to the traditional curial beliefs, he'll alienate the people of God. On the other hand, if he stands up strongly and openly affirms the rights of the people, he probably would entertain a system in the church. So you and I both struggle with this in our work for reform. What do you think we can do to support him in his effort to open the church world up to be a more inclusive and welcoming church where the people of God really have a participation in the decision making? What tangible steps do we need to do to make that happen?
1: I think we need to call out this priesthood, the current priesthood. We need to to critique it. We need to show how this current priesthood is lacking. In really being the true priesthood, what is Jesus' priesthood? I mean, come on. Jesus never called himself a priest. In fact, he, uh, he kind of uh, criticized the priests of his time. All he asked is his disciples to do what he had done. And what did he do? He bent down and he washed their feet. He we bent down know. and he washed their feet. He broke the bread and he said, this is my body broken for you. Do this in memory of me. And that's why I say those two sisters, they really did what they did in memory of Jesus. They broke their body for their people. How many priests will break their body for people? I do I I don't know, very, very few, very, very few. In fact, they demand comfort, they demand the best of everything, they demand people take care of them, give them the best food, etc., etc. It's scandalous. And I think we need to call out this priesthood and we need to direct people to the correct vision of what priesthood really and truly is. And I think that's what we're doing among the women theologians in India all the time. We are pointing to that. Our statements every year point to this, to say what is really true priesthood, what we understand as true priesthood. And that is what is important.
0: We know that this kind of direction and and the guidance begin to move in this direction is never ever ever going to come from the top down through the bishops it's up to us it's up to the people and probably up to women largely but to all the people of god to assume more responsibility in our church but that's just as big a, a struggle as it is trying to communicate and effect change through the through the higher ups People are set in their ways, set in their mentality, and I keep looking for how do we begin to get women treated with equality in our church? How do we get the people to have a decision-making part in in their church? I, I get stuck there because people are not quite ready. And I'm hoping through this show and through conversations like this, that we will open people's thinking to say, hey, maybe it is up to me. What can I do? that would be a step forward.
1: It is up to us. It is up to us. You know, uh, Rini, when you were talking, I'm just thinking of what's happening in the United States today. I mean, practically the whole day today, our news was showing us about the Super Tuesday, uh, Democratic, uh, you know, sort of- uh, Yes, the primary election. Primary elections and uh, how Bernie Sanders, Who are the people who are backing Bernie Sanders? Young people. It's the young people, the future of the world and the future of the church. Yes. Yes. And I see Bernie Sanders like a prophet. But of course, I, I know that the US is not ready for him. But it's amazing to see how the young people, young people who know what future they want, they are following him. And they think he is the right leader for them. But yes, will he be elected? That's a big question. Because the number of people in your population that are in the age group who cannot change their mentality will not vote for him. Sometimes I I
0: wish that I could live long enough to see the world once these young people are in charge of it I think it will be a much much better
1: world I think the young people are going to change the church also I think the young people are going to ch- change the church as well and uh, because the, even even in our churches in India you see uh more and more graying attendance you see very few young people and um uh, they, they, yes, they might come on Christmas because it's a celebration. They might come to weddings. They might come to funerals. But uh, regular Sunday Mass? No. They are not, not interested in rituals. They are not interested in rituals. They are more interested in people. And Jesus was more interested in people.
0: They're that interested in their. social
1: justice, they're interested yes. in the care of our earth and yes. so many of the
0: things that matter that Jesus would be standing up screaming to us about if he were walking this earth right now.
1: That's their all interest the too. Protests. All young people, you know, all, all over the environment, the protests all over the world are the young people. Leading the protests. is a young girl. So you see, the young people today are the prophets.
0: They are the you prophets. S- you say that, that people aren't ready for a Bernie Sanders type personality. And I think you're right. I have, I have so many Republican friends who do not want to see Mr. Trump reelected but who could not in turn vote for somebody as progressive as Bernie Sanders. So sometimes I hope for a moderate like Joe Biden, because I don't think that we can overturn this administration without all that Republican support. So
1: politically, I think we're in a bind. That's exactly what I'm saying. So I see the same parallel in the church really. I see the same parallel in the church. You know what I mean? For the older generation to change their mindset so drastically, to say that we don't need the priests, is rather drastic. But the younger generation are willing to just toss them out.
0: Small Christian communities are one of the avenues. It's becoming more and more prevalent today. And it's one of the avenues where just inevitably, the laity, and women in particular, rise to their level of responsibility, that's where we see women celebrating the Eucharist, breaking the bread, because there's nobody else to do it. And in a small Christian community, there's no one to really object or come down on them. So I do see that small faith grouping becoming a a reality that's going to blossom the ideas that we're talking about
1: today. Exactly, and particularly uh, communities that uh, lack priests. I don't think people should lament and, uh, you know, sort of uh, the the lack of priests. They should just allow uh, the, you know, sort of the leadership to emerge from amongst them. People should learn to be happy as long as they are celebrating the true Eucharist that is sharing bread, sharing love and caring. Because that is what the Eucharist is. Today, our Eucharist is so ritualized, it has lost the meaning. We still say it is so similar to the Last Supper. It has no similarity to the Last Supper at all. It is just an empty ritual, uh, which has become totally meaningless. When people gather around a, in, a, in a group in the neighborhood, and they pray together. They care for one another. They talk about the needs of the people in the community. They help people in need. That is living the Eucharist. And Virginia Saldana,
0: I thank you so much for being with us today. And I so respect the work you have spent your life doing and that you will continue to be doing. Thank you for being with us. And a reminder to everyone listening on March the 8th, this coming Sunday, join with Voices of Faith and other church reform organizations by wearing white, a white dress, a white kerchief, white of some kind to church on this day when you attend mass in your parish. You'll be joining with millions of others around the globe to honor women and support a greater acceptance and wider participation of all of us in the church today.